podcasting from inside the stash. I'm Jenny. I'm Nicole. And this is Stash and Burn. Hey, everybody. I'm back for another episode sans Jenny, um, who's still on maternity leave, and we're talking about when she might be ready to come back. This week, or this episode, I have a special co-host, Meg Croft, who you may know from Ravelry as Nepenthe. She has been on our board since I can remember, and um, I am considering her the current den mother of the Cold Sheep 2013 (laughs) effort, and because I have recently joined Cold Sheeping, in addition to all the other efforts that I've joined this year, making a blanket the Uli effort, I thought it would be fun to have Meg on to talk, um, first of all, just sort of talk about our knitting and then talk, do a conversation about cold sheeping and what it's done for Meg and her stash and what it has done for other people and how we see the sort of the importance or, I don't know, the um, benefits of cold sheeping. So welcome, Meg. Hi. I'm really happy to be here. Meg is joining us from East Lansing, Michigan. And yes. you, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you work at your local yarn store and wondering if you could tell us what is your local yarn store and where is it and how long have you worked there? Um, I work at Woven Art uh, in East Lansing, Michigan, and um, I've been there since I think about 2009. Um, I think about May 2009 is when I started. So I'm coming up on my almost four year anniversary of working at um, working at that shop. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I remember actually, this is reminding me of a picture that you showed of your stash once. And are you the person who organizes, do you organize your stash by color? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my sock collection. Your actually. sock collection. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, ooh, it looks like a really pretty yarn store in our stash. Yeah, that was, I had all my sock yarn out and I had arranged it by color in a white bookshelf. That's right. Um, and yeah, it looks so beautiful and perfect. <laughs> and then um, a few months later, I had a moth scare. So Yeah. <laughs> So everything promptly got Ziploc bagged up, and um, sadly, it doesn't look like that anymore. But um, maybe, maybe uh, next winter, when the moths are not such a problem, I can take them out again. <laughs> so was it was it real? Did it did the moths get to your stash? No, they actually went after a wool rug that I had in my um, in what I call my yarn lab. Um, and um so they were eating the rug and but there were those you know those telltale little moths Uh sort of see them on the walls and um yeah so the rug is gone and um everything is safe and (laughs) all in plastic again so um it's not as pretty but i don't have a heart attack so (laughs) yeah i think that that is key and you did not lose your stash so no as well yes um so i know that you recently emerged from a little bit of a knitting slump but what what did you what got you out of that well yeah i got in this knitting slump it was sort of the end of february beginning of march and um i'm not exactly sure what brings it on like sometimes i'll go into like a one or two day slump after finishing a big project or i just don't know what to i'm gonna 
I want to knit next. And it's, you know, commitment to finding a new project and picking out the yarn. And, um, but that slump lasted well over a week. And, uh, I remember complaining about it to my, um, local knitting group and, um, they were horrified that I hadn't knit an <laughs> entire week. I mean, it was, it was quite a amusing reaction they had when I told them, but, um, I am back knitting and, um, I'm currently working on, um, a Romy Hill pattern called Zephyr Cove. And, uh, so it's a triangular shawl to fit, you know, two colors of, um, fingering sock yarn. Um, and that seems to have perked me right up. So <laughs> I'm back to knitting and everything is well with the world. So, yeah. I am recently finished a cape that I made for my younger niece out of pink boucle mohair that I acquired through a uh, yarn co-op from Be Sweet um, Yarns. And Mm -hmm. it's really beautiful. Mohair has such great benefits in the color, what it um, represents with color. Like it just takes Mm -hmm. on color in this fantastic way. But um, it was a very small project. It was only about 160 yards. And it really wrecked my hands. I realized like that inelasticity of mohair gets to me really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I have had joint problems in the past, but usually pretty manageable um, in relation to my knitting. But um, I really need something with the mohair. So I was glad that the project was was quick. At first, I thought, oh, this is going to drag forever for two reasons. One, the boucle I kept snagging the bouquets mm-hmm. and but the other was just um I felt slow almost like when I knit cotton um yeah. but towards the end it picked up um it unfortunately did not use all the yarn that I all that pink bo- uh, mohair bouquet so that will be incorporated into um something else at some point <laughs> <laughs> but um I'm glad to have gotten through that it's my third project in my cold sheep commitment which we'll talk about a little bit later Um, so you're working on the Zephyr Cove right now. I am. Um, and actually I'm now, if you're familiar with what that one looks like, it's, um, you start with one collar and you start with a cast on a little, uh, pearl, uh, I cord cast on that goes into a leaf. And then from that you go into a garter stitch, um, two color shawl that it starts with one collar and you do a number of, um, garter stitch rows with Pico edges and then it stripes for a little bit, and then it goes uh, into another garter stitch section, and then it ends with a lace. So I actually picked out um, a yarn that I actually really found kind of boring. (laughs) And um, it's just like this army green tonal, not any not great yarn or not great colorway anyway um, for me. and I actually traded something in my stash um, with one of my friends. And um, I find it really funny. I traded a ball of Malabrigo sock um, in order to get a ball of hand dyed that my boss actually dyed. Oh. Um, yeah. That's uh, no longer available at the shop. And so I'm working with my boss's hand dye in these beautiful, um, like, mauvey, purple, dusty, blue kind of colors um and then with the green it looks really great and now the green looks fantastic oh can you hold it up yeah (laughs) 
Oh yeah. I don't know. See that? I can see well, it. Kinda. Yeah, kind of. It's the light here is that might be a little bit better. So I do yeah. see. Yeah, it's an it's a nice. Um, it's a darker mauve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like dark plums. Mm-hmm. That's the ball. And the green, actually, which you described yeah. as army, like it, it brightens it up to be a next lot. to the purple. Yeah, a lot. I've actually thought about. Um, I'm slowly painting the interior of our house and I painted our bedroom uh, yellow that so I have this whole theme working off of early 20th century California artists and the colors uh-huh. that they used uh-huh. and um, I painted my room this color called coincidentally Yosemite yellow and I've been struggling because I think it's a little darker than what I wanted it to be ultimately so I was thinking if I kept it what are some colors that would go with it and the other day I was driving home from Sacramento and was looking at the the changing landscape which is yellowing from into the you know kind of already just coming out of winter and going into spring so there's a yellowing and green and so much purple actually Mm -hmm. and the purple and the yellow look great together so I always worry that that combination um like purple and yellow and purple and green are going to look a little jestery. Yeah, or yeah, and that's that's always my concern too. And it it's also sort of harkens to high school football colors <laughs> a little you know? bit, right? Yeah, my high school <laughs> but, was was purple. So yeah. yeah, and the first high school I went to was purple and gold. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, certainly playing with you know a not a true purple. But working with either a, a gray purple mm-hmm. or more of a red violet mm-hmm. can really change how you see that yellow. I'm looking at my so, room as you yeah. talk about this. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting how much color changes when you put it with other colors. Um, yeah. And part of the problem is I haven't put up the curtains and I haven't put up any art yet. And I think that doing both of those things will help me see the color in a different way. Um, and sometimes I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. And sometimes I get it and I think, oh, it looks like yellow mustard is on my wall. So, <laughs> But the good thing is I know uh, because of the way the room is, the wall is only six feet. The, the colored part of the wall is only six feet tall. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to paint. It's not like I have to paint all the way up to the nine foot ceiling. It's really... Right. only. So anyway, <laughs> if I end up changing, it's not the end of the world, but I'm just trying to expand my horizons of how to think about it so seeing your colors in your shawl is really helpful is this i'm looking at the zephyr cove now is this a, a feather and fan that's at the, the lace section or is it a it's different lace certainly pattern? it certainly looks like it um i think it's more or less a feather and fan although it's not maybe the traditional sort of shetland feather and fan that mm-hmm. you see a lot where um it is um grouped together the same way but it's still a repeat of 18 stitches so I think of that as pretty classic feather and fan um of three sixes um groups of three sixes of stitches so um so it should be pretty easy lace too and I'm I have a good amount of the green left and so I'm debating whether to stripe the lace as well Mm -hmm. um just to try and use up some more yarn (laughs) Those leftovers. I know those. Those, as my as my son would say, those freaking fracking leftovers. <laughs> Indeed. 
So uh, to sort of combat the tension that I got from knitting the mohair, I'm now knitting something in um, little uh, some leftover Miss Babs. Yeah, so what a skein. I purchased a skein beginning of the year to make my dad a scarf, and it's just navy, classic kind of navy. But she does a, a, a nice, lovely job with her her dyes, so it's not strictly a, a you know single color. There's a little bit of variation, tonal variation there. That's that's um, attractive and appropriately masculine for my father. And I have a um, family friend who, friends who had a baby in earlier this winter. So I'm knitting their son, um, who is appropriately named Rowan. I, she is no, no one there as a knitter. I don't know where they, if they love Rowan Atkinson or whatever, where it came from. So I um, am knitting him the Peepo Pie Vest, which is a pattern by Jolie Caparco. Um, and it is, she's, I believe, a British designer. So the pattern is on Ravelry. It cost me about $3.90. Um, and it's a really, it's always had my eye on this pattern. It's a little, basically more like a waistcoat for a little boy with two little pockets and a V-neck and four buttons. And um, I think I have, I actually was reading some project notes where people were making like the size 4T with a skein of Cascade 220. So I think I have about 230. 30 yards of this left over it should be enough to make i'm making the 2t because the other thing is everybody says it runs or the 24 month size everybody says it runs really small hmm. so it's better to make the size i have the yarn for and eventually it'll fit him if it doesn't fit him right now but they show like a little baby like a 18 month old boy wearing it and then they show him again when he's almost three still wearing it but it fits totally differently like he's a kind of chubby as a baby so it stretches and then he gets kind of tall and skinny so Mm -hmm. it's shorter but fits um better so it's um very straightforward pattern i thought about trying to come up with one on my own and i just thought it was worth four dollars um to have someone else having done the thinking for me. So that's really adorable little vest kind of thing. Yeah. And it's sized up to size 10. So whether or not it would fit oh, wow. every 10 year old, I don't know, but it would fit, you know, so it, you could use this pattern for a variety of sizes, which I think is an interesting thing about kids patterns with adult patterns. Chances are you're only going to ever knit it for yourself or maybe, right. you know, a family member with sweaters or vests, hats are a different thing. Um, But for a kid, you could kind of like, oh, I know if I can get this pattern down, I could knit this for every kid I know at some point, you know. And girls too. I actually think it would be a cute girl if you change up the color or the yarn. It could be a cute girl's pattern. Oh, definitely. But it's really, it's a really sweet little pattern for boys. And since I have three nephews and, you know, the little boys are kind of hard to knit for if you're a knitter who wants to do something more interesting mm-hmm. so um that's a really cute pattern for i have to keep that in mind for my nephews before they get too big i also think that for the knitter if you want to try something a little different if you've never done the knit in pockets um that's the technique that she uses so you mm-hmm. you knit up to where you would bind off for the pocket and then you add a pocket lining so mm-hmm. Um, I believe, isn't that um, that pattern we both knit? The Maud. Maud, that's how she yeah. did it. So if you yeah. if one has never done that technique, I think it's incredibly clever and so easy and you feel so smart for having done it. So it's it's nice um, to, to be introduced to that. Yeah, and it's a lot, that way of doing pockets, it's really um, easy to use up 
um, scraps of other yarn. So mm -hmm. if you want like contrasting liners, mm -hmm. um, you can do that really easily yeah. with that pocket construction. Mm -hmm. And it's super cute then because, you know, like they open up their pocket and then there's a different collar in there. So yeah. um, that's really fun. And, um, and it's a good way to swatch. She actually even recommends that you can make it. It's a very small pocket. Mine was only 13 stitches across. So it's a very <laughs> small swatch. Um, but you know, for something like this, as long as you're knitting on the, um, on the bigger side, like the swatch isn't that important, but yeah. And as a yarn shop worker, I have to say that a 13 stitch, uh, little thing is not a swatch. No. <laughs> No, and count. <laughs> 13 stitches by like 18 rows. But I was like, I mean, the good thing about me and Miss Babs is I know exactly what my gauge is. So right. I'm like, okay, I've knit through, this is the third, fourth project that I've knit in this yarn at least. So I, um, with the Azawada skein, I'm like size six needles, 20 stitches over five and in, four inches done. Like I just, I know what it, I should, this is actually, I never thought about this. If you knit in the same yarn all the time, you're done with swatching forever. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> so that's what we are knitting. Are you thinking about what your next project is? I'm trying to figure it out. Um, I, I have a whole bunch of projects that I'm really interested in, um, but I haven't made up my mind yet. But um, this Zephyr Cove isn't going to last that much longer. So um, I really need to start thinking about that. And um, one of the things that I've really been interested uh in knitting recently is the um i think it's the rhombus wrap or rhombus what is it it's in my queue it's yeah the rhombus wrap by uh kirsten johnstone mm -hmm. and it's from um the oriami book um that was edited by olga mm -hmm. baraya kathilian and um it's just this kind of cute summary um close front, well, sort of vesty, oh. short sleeve cardigan thing. Um, and I think it would be really versatile for me and for my body shape. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, I would like to start swatching for that just to see if I can, I can do it. Um, and so that, that one is high up on my list. So let me ask you, what would you, what would you do for the yarn and yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm seeing that it's, it's one of those, yeah, I don't want to, it's just not a crazy in a bad way, but one of those crazy habu, like, are you mixing the textile, the, the yarns? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what it calls for is two strands of different habus then knit together and mm -hmm. it becomes a fingering weight yarn. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I need to have a serious talk with myself about why <laughs> I love Habu stuff so much because it takes a long time to knit. But mm -hmm. um, I, what I would, I'd probably look through my stash and see what lace weights I have and double that and um, take it from there. Um, I don't think I have any thin, co really thin cottons in my stash. Mm -hmm. And um, since, uh, yeah, I'm, as you say, the den mother of the cold <laughs> sheeping thread, um, I do have a responsibility um, <laughs> to be a good knitter, at least for as long as I can. Um, so we'll see. That might have to be something that I bargain myself for. So I might have to de-stash something mm. in order to make room for it. I don't know. It's... Um, 
but I, I'll first look at my stash because I do have a number of lace weights that have been languishing there for a long time. And there's always over dyeing too. So mm -hmm. if I don't like the color that I have in my stash, I might re-dye it um, or knit the sweater and then re-dye it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Have you done that? I'm curious because I'm having a, I'm thinking about that right now. I haven't, but um, considering some of the things the lace weights I have in my stash, I think it would be a really good solution to uh, making like 2,000 yards of lace weight yarn much more appealing mm -hmm. um, because I don't know what the heck I was thinking buying some of these colors. <laughs> but um, yeah, multicolors with um, light pink and light yellow and light green and a dark purple. And mm -hmm. those are just not my colors mm -hmm. at all. So <laughs> I figure, you know, a nice gray on top of that should just tone it down a bit. <laughs> so I think I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I was thinking about the Shellridge Farms that I bought. And it's sort of this ashen brown that is not my brown. I don't know mm -hmm. why I got it. And I put it, it's not actually even counted in my stash right now. It's, it's in my, you know, <laughs> will, will sell or trade, but, um, I got the nitpicks catalog yesterday and was looking at their oh. their green dye, the the organic dyes or the green mm -hmm. certified dyes that they are now selling and considering you know trying to do a little over dyeing of that yarn because I think if it was like a russety brown with some red or like a purple with a brown undertone, mm -hmm. I would be much more likely to use it. Right. It was at the I that catalog arrived here yesterday, actually, as well, which <laughs> I promptly put in the recycling. Me bin. too. After I, <laughs> I flipped through it quickly and then put it yep. in recycling. Yeah, I, it it came in the mail with my uh, what is it? Oh, emergency essentials. Which I don't know how I got on their mailing list, but it's the people who specialize in emergency bulk foods, <laughs> so that you can have, you know, in case of the nuclear holocaust, you mm -hmm. can have uh, two five two or three or five years worth of food in your basement. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so those two things arrived the same day, which I found kind of funny. <laughs> but um, did the, um, was the nitpicks, the yarn, the um, dye in the nitpicks catalog, was it um, the greener shades by any chance? I think so. I think yeah. that's what it's called. Yeah. And we saw that at the shop and it it's um, a really nice dye and you get a really good color out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you were to go with those color, you know, like to over dye, um, certainly I wouldn't just buy one of the dyes. I'd oh, buy it's a, two. It's a set. So oh, it's it, a set. it okay. comes as a set of six or so. So okay. that would be, it would be a nice experiment as I'm thinking about summer. And, you know, one of the things about cold sheeping is, is, and I, you know, it's not like I have, money falling out of my pockets, but I could still spend money, you know, like I, I can save money and I still have money to spend. So I'm like, okay, well there's something instead of buying yarn, maybe I could buy the dyes and that could be a little bit of an experiment that I could do during my break from, from work over the summer. Yeah. yeah um, I think it would be a fun experiment anyway. Um, especially, I don't think that dye is, I don't know how it sells as a pack in a pack, but they're not very inexpensive, you know, they're not inexpensive. Sorry, they are not um, very expensive, just as single jars. Mm -hmm. so. I think for whatever number you get, which is between five and seven, let's say it was thirty-five dollars, mm -hmm. and um, it's not much more than the um, oh, what's the name of the the dyes that 
everybody the jacquard uses. the jacquard dies it wasn't much yeah. more expensive those were maybe 450 a bottle and these were mm-hmm. you know, seven or something yeah so um it's definitely worth a shot and it it's kind of thinking uh, when i was thinking about what my next project is and this ties into last episode when i was talking about um amy herzog and, and knit to flatter and i think well i have some other projects planned like um I want to make another um, Zuzu's petals for my mom, or or want to make another one, and this one is for my mom. Um, I'm thinking about my next sweater, and Amy has this whole thing about your next favorite sweater, and so I'm trying to decide what the base pattern is that uh, will be for that. And it's interesting that you pick this or something from the Oriami knits that's edited by Olga Jazzy, because one idea I have is to do the Olga sweater. Mm-hmm. Um, pullover, which is just a very simple boat neck, three quarter length sleeve, um, fitted pullover that has a garter stitch, um, moat. It's a design. So it makes basically is like an hourglass. It makes an hourglass on your front mm-hmm. and your back, um, in garter stitch. And I think, um, as I examine my body type, one of the things is that the, and actually I have a boat neck shirt on right now, <laughs> is the boat neck, uh, you know, or the ballet neck is a mm-hmm. flattering neckline for me, which was really actually validating because I always am attracted to that that neckline and I always feel so uncomfortable in crew necks, yeah. especially ringed crew necks. I always feel like I'm being strangled and I'm like, oh, there's a reason, like creating that expanse here just mm-hmm. makes me look shorter and funnier and where having this you know broadens my shoulders and minimizes Mm -hmm. you know so everything fell into place so that's that is one of the ideas of course I want to work that from stash which means a couple of things um it means either kind of reworking the pattern to use this beautiful Pigeon Roof Studios DK weight yarn that when I swatch, I get closer to 18 stitches over four. The pattern requires mm-hmm. 22. Yeah. So, and it's actually for a DK weight yarn. I, I'm going to re-swatch and see if I can get something a little tighter and what that feels like because I feel like DK weight yarn, but I'm getting really like an Aran weight gauge on it. Um, but it's beautiful. It's, it's called, the colorway is called Melusine and it's this blue, green, gray um, the other yarn I would have is this Shellridge Farms, but I'd want to over-dye it. Um, the other yarn is um, something that I bought from a woman, a dyer who's not working anymore, a dyeing yarn here um, in the Bay Area, and she went by Wool Candy, and I bought some of her yarn at Stitches in 2012, or 11, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> 11. It was 11. And I started to knit the um, a pattern from the Coastal Knits book. It was the um, Oak Leaf, what's it called? It's a bottom-up yoked cardigan. And as I've been going through Fit to Flatter, I realized that that yoke construction probably isn't going to be that flattering. And I, like I started this sweater, but I didn't get very far and I might as well just rip it out and start with a base pattern that is going to, to work and that I've sized correctly. So that yarn also could be a possibility for that, that mm-hmm. pattern. Um, what I picture it in though, ultimately is that Pigeon Roof Studios yarn. So I may be just re, re uh, calculating that pattern because I think the pattern and the yarn really, color would be really gorgeous together yeah and do you do you have that pattern yet or I don't I don't don't. okay 
Yeah, because um, one thing is when you check your math is, yeah, see if you can knit a different size mm-hmm. with, you know, just be able to follow her numbers. If your gauge gets gets you closer to one of the other sizes, then, um, yeah, you just have to hopefully not readjust too much for rows, mm-hmm. but um, depending on how it's written. But um, it's a gorgeous sweater. I mm-hmm. love I love it. And another, actually another pattern that has been at the top of my queue for quite a while is, is another Olga pattern. (laughs) And, um, it's perfect for Michigan winters (laughs) (laughs) for summer, but it's Kenzo, um, by Olga Baraya Kafelian. So, um, that is one that she's done. It's part of the wool people Four collection, and um, it's heavily textured, um, really beautiful. And it, it it's also in one of my favorite colors that I really can't wear too well, which is like that honey gold kind of color, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which I always find so seductive, but then um, have to usually do a slightly different color for me. That is but. the um, color of my um, wool candy yarn is that color. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which I don't see as a good match for the Olga, the Olga pullover. I don't know why, like, and maybe because the Olga pullover is knit in like white or a, yes. yeah. White so or a light gray. Yeah. So it, I, it's, it's so interesting how influential the original colors are. Yeah. Or, yeah, or an immediate turnoff. Um, right, exactly. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there yeah. was a sweater that is, uh, it was a cover sweater um, from um, an interweave knits from some years ago that um, was in a peachy pink color. And I was just like, I, ugh. That, that whole issue was peachy pink, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the wheat ear cardigan yes. or pullover. And yeah. I just was like, I would never think twice. I would never knit that. And then... Um, Amy Christopher's knit it in this beautiful plummy purple, which is one of my favorite colors. And I was like, oh my God, that's the most gorgeous sweater I've ever seen. And I I said, yeah, I'm going to copy you. And she's, and I said, I think there's a, a Quinson Company color called Frank's Plum. And she went and looked at it and she's like, you mean, she's like, exactly copy me? I was like, oh yeah, that's what I meant. I meant, I'm exactly going to copy you. I'm going to do exactly what you did. I'm knit-stalking you. I'm, yeah, I'm totally <laughs> knit-stalking Amy Christopher's, which I found out, which is so funny, that, um, because I've knit a number of her patterns, and recently I thought, you know, she must be really tall. And I was talking <laughs> to Amy Herzog, and Amy's like, oh yeah, she's really tall. And I was like, oh, how do I get attracted to these designs <laughs> by these women who are like half a foot taller than me? Because they're never yeah. going to be exactly right, you know? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I've I've really fallen hard for a lot of sort of Japanese designs, which my body is in no way the shape of most like traditional Japanese figures. So mm-hmm. I'm a severe hourglass. So mm-hmm. I've got a um, sort of small shoulders. I've got a big bust, relatively small waist and then big hips. So mm-hmm. um, I'm balanced, but it's, you know, just skewed much. Mm-hmm. I'm cur- very curvy. So um, I've been looking at a lot of patterns by um, Satsuko Tori, who is another Habu person. And um and a lot of the sh- sort of the uh, mix patterns that are coming out of Shibui right now, mm-hmm. I really love. Um, but I don't know how kind they would be um, 
to my body. And since there are plenty of patterns out there that I think would work a lot better uh, for my shape, I'm trying to suppress <laughs> wanting to knit them. But um, even the, the cover of the new knitwear magazine is, the, I think it's called the Die Cut Vest. And again, it's sort of a squarish uh, sort of uh, lacy vest, but it does, there's no shaping in the back. So it sort of pulls away from the back mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't need to add extra volume <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I think, I mean, I might knit it as a exercise because I want to knit it, but then I think I'll just knit it in my sister's size and mm just send it off to her and hope she likes it because <laughs> surprise knitwear. <laughs> it's so. the, um, it's, it's the curse of the process knitter. I mean, I think that a couple episodes back, uh, Jenny and I were talking about this and not really wanting to believe, especially Jenny think she's like, am I really a process knitter? And I'm like, <laughs> think about some of the things that you've made that she's never yeah. even wanted to wear after she's made them. She's like, okay, great. I could make that. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that approach. Um, yeah. it is a hobby and people do hobbies for way, you know, that are way less useful than knitting, you know, <laughs> that's very true. Um, that's very true. And I, I think as long as I have an outlet for those projects that I feel like don't do me any justice, then, um, I am perfectly justified in knitting them because <laughs> if I want to knit them, then I just need to find someone who will want to wear them mm -hmm. and we'll both be happy. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's hard to justify that when it, you know, it's, you only get so much knitting time in a day right. and, or, or a week depending. Um, and do I really, do I want to spend that time on something that, well, you know, maybe it'll give my sister happiness, but, um, but, um, I'll, I'll just be sad that I can't wear it, but, <laughs> um, oh, well, you know, life goes on. <laughs> There's more things to knit. Yes, and more things to knit from our stash. So let's yeah. let's segue into cold sheep because yeah. there for me has been a revitalization of the cold sheep effort. I think that people have been participating all this time, but there was one thread right from the beginning, <laughs> which you told me earlier had been around since September of two thousand and nine. So it was yeah. it was it was three and a half years old. And it had thousands of posts. And at one point, not long ago, I looked at it and I was like, well, I would think about cold sheeping, but there's 1,700 posts that I haven't read. <laughs> and I don't know why I felt like I had to read them. Like, I could have just skipped to the end. But you made a decision to make a new thread. Yeah, I thought perhaps it might help people to actually um, decide that they – that they could actually approach cold sheeping. So, so yeah, let, was, me, let me ask you, though. Let's define yeah. cold sheeping for people yeah. who may not be following along. Okay. So um, to go cold sheep <laughs> is basically, yeah, to not enhance your stash. So um, people who are committing to cold sheep are trying not to buy yarn for either a set amount of time um, or in your case, a set number of projects, um, or perhaps a set number of yardage knit, so um, or skeins knit. So it just depends on um, you know what people are feel comfortable with or how they want to track it, um, and then they some people will just do it for a 
undisclosed amount of time or they'll set a goal for the end of the year or they'll set, um, you know, a goal maybe two or three months, four months out um, and then just try and stick with that and report back to the group about how they did or when they fell off the sheep and ended up buying more yarn. But, um, you know, we're not we're not here to hold anybody's feet to the fire. It's not about, um, you know, how perfect can you be? It's, um, it's really about being mindful, Mm -hmm. um, above everything else. And, um, there are frequent falls off the sheep. So it's, you know, it's not, um, the end of the world or the end of your cold sheeping journey. If you do end up buying yarn, because I mean, all of us know when you go into a yarn shop, you want to buy something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) you know, it's, um, it's really about trying to control your, control your urges a little Mm -hmm. bit (laughs) and also take a good, long, hard look at your stash. And maybe you just need to stop buying sock yarn or Mm -hmm. maybe you just need to stop buying purple yarn. (laughs) Um, so it's, um, it's a really good friendly group. Um, and it was started in September of '09 by uh, Selkie, who's um, on Ravelry, who's Andrea from Wisconsin. And she, right off the bat, she did a full year mm-hmm. of not buying yarn. Um, I joined up for the first time in, I think, October of that year. And I think I may have gone, I don't know, maybe three or four months um, trying not to buy yarn. Um, and, you know, from there we've just, um, kept encouraging everybody who's on the group. Um, and, uh, you know, I think recently I've, I've just recently come off of my previous cold sheeping goal. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, six months. Um, of not buying yarn. And of course I did buy yarn during that time, but you know, I was trying to keep it under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, just recently I signed up for another six months. So we'll see. I'm slowly working down the stash. Um, I'm trying to de-stash as well um, by selling or giving away yarn. Um, so I'm slowly working down my stash, but I still, the fact of the matter is Um, you know, when I keep track of how many yards I've knit in a year, um, when I look, when I compare those numbers to what I, how many yards I have in my stash, I have over 10 years of yarn and that's a lot, (laughs) (laughs) especially when I think about my age and I add 10 years to that, Right. (laughs) it's, you know, it, that's kind of sobering. Um, so, uh, I think ideally for me, my ideal stash would be to have three to four years of stash yarn on hand. Mm -hmm. So for me, that would be about 40,000 yards. Um, I'm currently at about 120,000 yards. So (laughs) I've got a ways to go. (laughs) Do you think working at the yarn store has, was that the thing that sort of tipped you up? over the over time is having access to well it's kind of funny because i i certainly working at a yarn store doesn't help the situation at first Mm -hmm. but 
being exposed nearly daily to a yarn shop does build up your tolerance. So, you know, I'm not going in there and just like buying willy nilly. I know, you know, I've seen yarn that well, it waits around for weeks to mm-hmm. go home with someone. And so it sort of loses that sort of initial kind of snap judgment, I'm bringing you home kind mm-hmm. of thing. So that has really helped. On the other hand, um, you get these real deep longing urges for, mm-hmm. you know, a yarn that has been sitting around for a while and you may have swatched it for the shop mm-hmm. or you may have knit a shop project out of that yarn and you know you don't have any in your stash and you have to take <laughs> a lot of deep breaths to, to leave it there. Um, so I'd say that actually I've gotten more control over my stash since I started working at the shop. But, you know, I sort of was looking at the yarn that is currently in my stash and um, did a little math. And I discovered about 25% of my stash is impulse purchases. Mm -hmm. And 25% I purchased with a project in mind. And only a little bit was like less than 10% was sale yarn. Mm -hmm. But Nearly 40% of my stash is from souvenirs. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, from traveling around or going to fiber festivals Mm -hmm. or that's where it all comes from. And it's like, okay, that obviously that's my problem that, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not the sort of, you know, I want to go into my shop and, and, and buy yarn there. It's, I'm out of town and who oh boy, what can I get my hands on? <laughs> and it's a lot of, a lot of sock yarn, mm-hmm. a lot of sock yarn. Well, sure. Because so. that's what fits in your suitcase, right? You're like, yes. ah, I, I'm not going to buy a sweater's worth of yarn. I'm just going to buy this one really beautiful skein of sock yarn because it fits in my bag. Right. But you know, those anywhere from 400 to 500 yards of pop, it right. adds fast. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So I think one of my early cold sheep goals was to just not buy sock yarn anymore mm-hmm. and just work from sock yarn and um, try and work that down. But, um, and so thankfully, and maybe everybody else is in the same problem and that explains why there's so many fingering weight shawls out there mm-hmm. right now. I think um, so. Yeah. And uh, so thank goodness for that because um, there are far more fingering weight shawls than I can knit out there. And I've got stash for a lot of them, but not all. <laughs> well, and I think it's especially good because those beautiful yarns that you pick up at the Fiber Festival or on vacation are often those 100% merino or merino and silk, something that you're probably not going to knit socks out of. Right. So it really um, is great that there are not just the fingering weight shawls, but the two color fingering weight shawls. Because <laughs> I knit um, uh, Vera Valamaki's different lines over the last year, and it was beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. And I gave it to my sister in law, who was like, "I've never owned something that's this beautiful." And I was like, "Oh, come on." I mean, <laughs> sure, thank you, but but like. You know, it, and I was like, the best part is it took 750 yards of fingering weight yarn. <laughs> Something that, you know, she's like, okay, great. Whatever. <laughs> um, it has absolutely no meaning to her whatsoever. Right. So. But it was a benefit to me. 
Yeah. I did a similar stash analysis. Um, so one of the things I decided to join Cold Sheep partially because you did start this new thread. So I was like, all right, here's my opportunity. I can do this. And I think also in com- combination with Uli, the one thing about use it or lose it was this focus on yarn I had before this year. And of course I've purchased yarn this year. So I'm in effort to sort of work yarn that is more recently acquired to prevent it from becoming deep stash. And, you know, also continue to look at that, those deep stash skeins. I wanted to just cold sheep for a little while and work with what I have and analyze what I had in my stash. There was this discussion that got going early. Was it earlier in the, I think it was in the cold sheep thread earlier this month that made me think, all right, let's get as much of your stash into Ravelry as you can. Mm -hmm. Because I think, let's face it, if your stash is above a certain size, like say it's over 30,000 yards, you're, I don't know if you're going to be able to get all of your stash in there in part because one of the things I have been doing is making this Babette blanket over many, many years. Right. And so I have all these like partial balls of fingering weight yarn that, you know, I've gotten from somebody who's finished a project and given me the rest or someone just recently sent me partial ball. And I just haven't put all of that in. So I feel like the bad part of that is it will never be my stash. So it will never like kind of count as de-stash. A few skeins mm-hmm. are in there, but hardly all right. of it. Um. And there were a few others, like my felting yarn. I totally forgot about it, and I was digging for something else. I was like, oh, crap, there's a whole basket of yarn <laughs> for felting. But again, I'm just, right now, it's staying out of the stash. Um, so what I have counted in my stash, um, I recently updated everything. And at the beginning, before my I started, I had 46,321 yards, which, um, considering that this is the focus of the this podcast and that I feel like I thought I was going to have a lot more <laughs> because I, I had 37. I remember I had around 37 yards when we started this podcast. And so yeah. I expected that I would have twice that, at least twice that now. But when it came down to it, it was I'd only had a gain of about 9,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this month I've, I've worked three projects for cold sheep. So I'd gone down about almost 1,000 yards. So... Right now I'm at 45, 325. But the interesting part isn't really the number, but again, like the analysis of why I I've purchased yarn. So the the number one reason that I buy yarn is um <laughs> Do we need is, a drum roll? Yeah. No, it's yeah, really. <laughs> um that I purchase it with a project in mind, and that's about thirty-eight percent of the of the yarn I have. I can look at it and say, "Oh yeah, I was going to knit X, or I was going to knit mm-hmm. Y with that." So there's a bunch of projects I like that I intended to knit, and it's almost like I intended to knit you, and I bought the yarn, so you should just be finished. Like in my <laughs> mind, like that's the, like so. I need to make a decision. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you done? Why didn't you knit yourself? <laughs> So I either like need to decide to knit those projects or figure out, you know, is that yarn still the yarn I want it to be? Um, and behind <laughs> that is the next sort of like the souvenir yarn. It's like that yarn that's just too beautiful to pass up. But this is this what is what gets at like what I think my real stash problem is, is that I think in my head like like going back to that wheat ear pullover that I want to knit in this Quince and Company in this beautiful purple. 
I want to buy the yarn for that, but I don't because it's too much yarn to buy right now. And we know whatever it is, it's 1,200 yards or 1,500 yards that I would need to buy. So instead of buying that, I buy two skeins of Madeline Tosh worsted, which only adds up to 400 yards, and I can make a hat and a cowl out of that. But that just sits in my stash. (laughs) And I don't knit that either. But for somehow, (laughs) I feel morally superior to myself for not having bought the sweater's worth of yarn. This the thing that I really actually want. Because you were, quote unquote, good. I was being good, you know, but it's been <laughs> terrible for my stash. That's like th- over 30% of my the yarn. Wow. I'm like, is me Consolation saying. Consolation stash. Con- right. Exactly. That's so perfect. <laughs> exactly. Consolation stash. Like, and, and yeah, it's like almost I can tolerate the, the yarn that hadn't knit itself because at, at least my intentions were good there. But the stuff where I'm like, oh, here, buy this beautiful skein of hand spun or whatever instead of what you really saving up the yardage over time what i should do is if i didn't do that for four months in a row then it would be fine to buy that sweater's worth of yarn the same amount right exactly so that's that's what i'm thinking why this 10 projects effort is really about okay now you don't buy and that's probably about three months of knitting for me three plus months of knitting and probably by then it will make sense if I want to buy that yarn and still want to make that project yeah. or whatever that next project is. Yeah. And I certainly find with it's I, I sometimes do the same thing. Um, and I find that once it goes into, once that yarn goes into my stash and it's like, if it's not knitted within eight months, it's going to be there for at least three years. Right. So it yeah, then has sense. to marinate in stash for mm-hmm. a while. It sits there and you know, it, I probably would have been better off just getting the yarn that I wanted originally because I was excited to knit it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to knit that project now, and I probably would have started it right away and knit it and finished it. So, yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah, that's how all that's how we all have stashes. I think mm-hmm. that we we have similar coping mechanisms. Right. And, and I think that so often there's this um, delayed gratification, which is something that I'm horribly good at actually is so you know I don't I rarely buy yarn and immediately bring it home and start knitting it like this Miss Babs uh, was a rare occasion because my dad wanted asked me for a scarf so I was like when somebody else makes that demand on me I'm like right great you want something (laughs) I got it I'm on it you know but for me I'm like oh I'll get to that or you know I'll eventually do that but what I, I really want to get to a place with my stash and it, part of it is about size. So I, I would like to get down to about where I was when we started the podcast. This is all like, Oh, I'd like to get down to my weight when I was, you know, 25, exactly. whatever, you know, so my pre baby waiter, my pre library school waiter, whatever, you know. Um, but I think that that it's not just about what the quantity of my stash as much as, how much I'm using versus how like versus how much I'm buying and using immediately, mm-hmm. and so what I I think I want more than a number is to kind of bring that mindfulness to what I buy and know that it's okay to stash some yarn, but but I want the majority of the yarn that I buy to be something that I feel like I can use when I get it, that I'm not buying it to use at some future date when I finish knitting all these other things that I need to knit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely find on the, on the cold sheep thread, the people who, the people who have these really, really tangible 
goals mm-hmm. are the ones that are the most successful. So the ones who, you know, set a 10 project, you know, I'm going to knit my 10 projects. And when I'm done with that, then I'm, you know, I'm either off or I'm going to take a break for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or I'm going to reward myself with something. Um, I always worry about the people who sign up immediately and say, I'm just going to cold sheep for the rest of the year. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> because, you know, why don't you try like try a month or two months or and see how it goes? Because there are people that they don't respond. It's like dieting. You know, you, you don't always respond well to deprivation. Mm-hmm. So um, the fact that, you know, you're going to eat 100 percent clean for however long until you get to the weight you want. That's not entirely realistic. So I I hope that people, when they sign up, that they try and set realistic goals that they can succeed a couple times at, Mm -hmm. um, you know, going a week without buying yarn. Like sometimes for some people, that's a big deal. Um, And those are the the people who really set those tangible goals of either a yardage amount or a set amount of time that um, is realistic. Um, they're the ones who usually have the best outcome or they realize that they're going to come off, you know, come off the sheep, come off the diet in, you know, a few weeks and that they can just hold out for that amount of time and then hopefully not go kablooey as mm-hmm. has certainly stuck around as a, um, from the podcast lingo. <laughs> so, about that. that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So people do report going kablooey from time to time, but <laughs> Yeah, I do notice one of the things on the thread is what we, what we kind of, the downfall is the fiber festivals. For some reason, it's such a, and I mean, I think it was really good that we did not go to Stitches this year because I can't control, it's not that I can't control myself. I usually like really stay within my budget, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. but it's like, what is it that I feel like I need to buy 3,000 yards of yarn all at once? And it's like, it is all there. And it is a lot of indie dyers that I'm not going to necessarily have access to. And it is to me one thing that I've really moved away from. And I think that helps me is I don't do yarn clubs and I rarely buy yarn online because it's very much a tactile visual thing for me and the yarn that I would get from afar like I have a category that's called other of Mm -hmm. yarns in my stash and those things are kind of the gift yarns which is yarns basically Jenny's souvenir yarns Jenny's (laughs) like oh I can't resist this I'll give it to Nicole and it's always super nice like she 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 gave me two skeins of Koigu cashmere 100% cashmere and I'm like it's too special how am I ever supposed to use this like how and you know or, uh, you know, just the, that's one part of it. But the other is, um, oh shoot, where was I going with this? Jenny Souvenir Yarn, the other, oh, the clubs, is that I have yeah. two skeins of sock yarn that when, for some reason, even though I wasn't a sock knitter, I joined the Socks at Rock Club the first year they had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I I like those yarns and I use and Theoretically, I have one sock knit out of those yarns right now. <laughs> um, but... It's the, the not knowing, like, that surprise, and it's like, uh, the couple, few times I really, they were real misses, and I really didn't like what I got, and so yeah. it's really important for me to be able to buy in person, and the Fiber Festival, or Stitches, whatever that is, does give us that opportunity to get those smaller things 
that we that don't necessarily sell to our local shops right and i you know i definitely put in my in my souvenir category that's where i put my um my fiber festival because mm-hmm. I do consider that is the same mentality um, where, you know, woohoo! Pa- it's a party. It's spring break <laughs> for knitters, you exactly. know? Exactly. And everyone's doing it around you, too. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, why should I check my behavior? That's right. Um, it's not but, embarrassing if everybody's doing it. Exactly. But I have, I mean, I have stash, I have fiber festival yarn that, um, some of it must be from 2004, 2005, from, um, my best friend and I went to the Taos uh, Fiber Festival um, for my, <laughs> yeah, I'm a mm-hmm. yarn geek, um, for, for my, basically for my, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> um, yeah, I was getting married the next oh, week. Okay. So it was it's like, like your bachelor, bachelorette party. It was my bachelorette party. <laughs> yeah. So my best friend and I went to a fiber festival for my bachelorette party. Had a fan- awesome. <laughs> had a fantastic time. Still, I should have thought of that. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Can't recommend it enough. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and you know what could be better? But you know, I I have knit some of that yarn, but I still have a bunch of that in my stash. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was married in two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, that has stuck around. And then I have, I've been to Rhinebeck five, six times. I have multiple skeins of that in my stash. I was commented on the cold sheeping thread recently that I was, you know, in the Sanguine Griffin line, like the last Sanguine Griffin line that ever was Mm -hmm. kind of thing um, in Rhinebeck of 2011. And I was in line for half an hour. I wasn't even that far back from the cashiers, but it gave me an opportunity just to say, okay, which I have this like armful of yarn. What am I going to, I'm going to put some back. Uh-huh. And I was able to cut down on it, but I still haven't knit the rest of what I bought uh-huh. that time. So it's certainly really sobering. So I just recently just dis- decided that I'm not going to Maryland in sheep and wool the, uh, this year that sitting it out <laughs> I'll admire what other people bring and what my friends are going to get. But, um, yeah, don't need that. As much as I would love the experience, my stash really doesn't need it. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's good that I didn't do my stash count until after stitches because I may have felt like, Oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought I can go. (laughs) But, um, I, I think combining those two things is really going to help me sort of, in this year as far as what the balance is going to look like. And I hadn't really until today, I read some of the, what people's updates were from March and they were saying um, what they de-stashed. I was like, Oh yeah, there's some stuff on my stash page still that I just need to get rid of. Like this Rowan summer tweed that I had started to crochet squares with to make a top wasn't that the little like mm-hmm. pinafore yeah this little yeah, pinafore yeah, thing that everybody that. was like this is a terrible idea why are you doing it but i was like because it'll be cute and i'm gonna i changed everything about it of and course. then ultimately <laughs> used a different uh may use the the base yarn to knit a whole other project not long ago so i'm never going to do anything with this right Four skeins of yeah, these orphans. And I don't really like summer tweed that much. I'm sure it's good for certain climates, but it's just it's not a yarn that I'm going to work with. Um, Mm. 
it's so, you know, I don't know, especially crochet, these crocheted squares, which are quite cute. They'd be nice. Maybe I should just use them as coasters or something. Actually. What colors are they? They're nice colors. There's like an, an orange. Um, there's mm-hmm. beige. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's orange. Can you believe it? Really? Um, yeah, I know. There's orange and turquoise. Um, I know. It's just too, so unusual for me. Um, a, a beige, which actually is unusual for me, but I wanted something to balance out. And I think right. the fourth one is green. Like here, I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think it, it is green. And um, I think they would be decent coasters. They're the perfect size. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll it's just a nice absorbent yarn. So, so um, <laughs> done, done and done. And then most of them are already made. Yes. So it's yeah, <laughs> green, beige, per, uh, turquoise and orange. <laughs> oh, why am I so predictable? Um, well, we all have our proclivities. <laughs> I know. But you know, here's the thing. So you, you made a comment kind of offhandedly about purple yarn. You know, you'll get your stash and why do you have so much purple yarn? I love purple. I absolutely love it. And I would say that is probably one of the most underrepresented colors in my stash for the same reason. I'm like, I'm waiting for the perfect purple yarn so I can buy a certain amount and it just never, I never mm-hmm. let it come together. And so maybe that's my like either Uli or my, what I'm going to kind of come to at the end of my first cold sheep is to finally buy that perfect purple yarn. Mm-hmm. I you think know. that would be a really good reward for yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing a purple shirt right now. I'm always like looking for the purple, but it's never, it's never right. But you know, I'll buy a turquoise yarn at the drop of a hat. Like, like, ah, oh, it's turquoise. It's so easy to buy that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's one more skein of turquoise yarn? For me, it's like teals. Like mm-hmm. teal blues to teal greens, mm-hmm. and I, I am, love that too. I am, yeah. I am banned, banned from buying any more sock yarn in that color because oh my god, <laughs> so much. It's, I mean, I have to the to the point where you know I, it's almost it's overwhelming. Like I can't figure out which one to use for a project when I know I want to use one. Mm-hmm. So it's like ugh, I've got like seven or eight different teal sock yarns to choose from. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my god! I'll just choose a different color instead. I keep so. getting trapped by that, um, like acid yellow, like mm-hmm. not quite, like not quite neon, not quite mm-hmm. citrus, you know, but just like, like this bright, beautiful yellow. And I had it's obviously like, like I was talking earlier about the color of my bedroom wall, and then I was actually thinking, what if I also painted my dining room with the lighter shade of that yellow? Like I just uh-huh. like, like I've got this yellow thing going, even though I would never think of yellow as one of my favorite colors, but there's obviously something about it that makes me happy and I'm not that I respond to because I'm like, ooh, ooh. right, exactly. <laughs> And we all get in like these color jags too. So, you know, it's like, uh, you can real, I can look through my stash and actually, you know, sort it by color. Mm-hmm. Oh, I and, love doing I, that. Yeah. And I can, I can sort it by color and inevitably I can see these blocks of color where I can tell it was, that yarn came from 2005 because all the orange yarn came from 2005 mm-hmm. and all the plum yarn came from 2007. What's going, <laughs> you know, what's going on? But, um, you know, that's certainly, that's certainly eye-opening is to sort your stash by color because then you really start to see some uh, patterns emerge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah, the blue to green area is very well represented <laughs> in my stash. Yeah. Um, and there is some purples, but as I look at my purples, it is, let's see, like uh, leftover, single skein, sock yarn, single skein, sock yarn, two skeins, single skein, single skein, a weird purple yarn that isn't the purple I'd want it to be, <laughs> but I couldn't resist. It's actually a sweater's worth of yarn, but a lot of singles in there. So, yeah, it lo really looks like I should stop buying turquoise yarn altogether. <laughs> but it's hard. It, there's always so many beautiful shades of turquoise. Yeah. Oy. Oh, yeah, I just bought um, this Madeline Tosh Pashmina worsted in Cousteau, which oh. is so such a beautiful blue green. Like, it's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a wonderful hobby to have in the way that the materials are as pleasing as the activity. Like, the materials are so motivating. But right. we have to kind of catch ourselves. Yeah. Like, like, I don't... Well, I know they do. I'm sure model train aficionados have the same problem, but it's so hard for me to conceptualize that. Like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you really couldn't resist that caboose. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it just, but you know, we all have our uh, where yeah. where our our eyes go to. So yeah, it's true. Well, Meg, I really want to thank you for the work you've been doing. Um, you are a moderator on the Stash and Burn board, and you have been helping out with Uli, and you are definitely like the cheerleader, dead mother on um on the cold sheep for 2013. I think it was a fantastic idea to start over again. Um, because we're a chatty group. It's one month in and there's over 400 posts. So it's going to be a right. big year. <laughs> yeah. And so just um, to, to let people know, um, at the top of the um, at the top of that thread, I'm putting in shortcuts to each month. So if you want to completely skip over March, which is where we started because I couldn't get my act together in January, um, you can just click on the you can click on April. It'll take you straight to April. And as the other months pop up um i'll be adding links to them at the top of the post so um at the top of the thread so um you can hopefully just jump right into the current month um and catch up with a little bit of what's going on there and then feel free to ear burn me or pm me and i will add you to the cold cheating rolls if you want so the way that works if no one is if someone hasn't seen that before is that the moderator can add a summary to the thread that appears right. on the top page of any yeah. of, of every page of that thread. So for instance, if you haven't checked in for, you know, a few weeks, just go to the page, you know, just click on the thread and at the top of that page will be a way that you could jump ahead to where, exactly. where the discussion is for that month, you know, or if you haven't checked for a few months. So it's, it's an awesome idea. And I think, um, it hopefully people won't feel intimidated just because you didn't join in March of 2013 doesn't mean you can't join today or a month from now or sometime later in 2013 it's yeah people are welcome anytime okay all right so thanks meg yeah thank you for having me hello everybody it's nicole i just wanted to check in at the end of the episode i hope you enjoyed the conversation i had with meg as much as i did and maybe you are inspired to join us on the cold sheep 2013 boards if so check us out 
Um, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. The winner from Uli03 is Mitstress, and she won the V-Day collection by Nicolina Dokscho, and I want to thank Nicolina for um, offering up her pattern collection for this prize. The Uli04 prize will be three patterns of the winner's choice from Curious Handmade. Uh, the designer is Helen Stewart, and she is known on Ravelry as Hell's Bells, and Helen has a hat pattern, a baby blanket pattern, and a series of shawls. A, a few weeks ago, a bunch of us bought her Radiance shawl pattern, which takes up a large amount of lace weight. I want to say 900 yards, I think, is the yardage requirement. So it's a nice stash buster. And um, her other, there's one that's a two-color shawl. So there are a lot of opportunities there for um, continuing to use it or lose it. So um, enter in the Uli04 thread. Please try to remember one post per person. Don't reply to other people. It, it makes it a lot easier if everybody just has one post. Um, so um, there is Uli04. It ends around, I want to say April 23rd, but I don't have the date in front of me. Um, it, will, it will become apparent as the date gets closer. So whatever the fourth Tuesday of, um, of April is. Um, I also wanted to say that you have a little bit of time upon hearing this to enter the contest for to win the Knit to Flatter book by Amy Herzog, Amy who I spoke with on the last episode. Um, I finally received my copy of the book and it is beautiful. It really does reinforce all the principles of the Craftsy class. People have been asking, you know, should I take the class? Should I buy the book? I really would say with the discount for the class and the price of the book for $35, you get a really great bang for your buck, but I understand not everybody can do that at once. It really depends on your learning modality. For me, it's been great to watch the class because I'm more likely to go into the book with that knowledge and be able to read to reinforce my knowledge. Um, although I know some people are better when they read something. So really think about you know how do you learn best? And that's, that's how I would choose first. But if you can get both, I would highly recommend getting both. Um, one thing I didn't know is that there are three um, patterns by other designers. Um, Kirsten Kapoor has a skirt pattern in the book. And Caro Sheridan has a... Oh, I lost that page. Caro Sheridan has a pullover um, cow neck sweater. And um, Eleanor Brown has um, a cardigan, a nice wide v-neck coin cable uh, cardigan. So in addition to the patterns, you get, I guess, 18 patterns by Amy and then three patterns by other designers. So it's awesome. And plus, you know, all of the other information. So you can go to the Knit to Flatter um, thread in the Stash and Burn group. And um, just I'm asking people to write about their sweater success or their sweater failure. If you don't have that, you can maybe talk about why. And um, there have been some really inspiring entries, people who have been, you know, obviously a lot of us who have been disappointed, but people have been really happy with sweaters that they've made, and it really is nice to hear those success stories. So um, you have until April 15th, I'll probably draw the name, close the thread, draw a name around midnight Eastern time on Monday, April 15th again. So I also wanted to give a little update on Jenny and Matilda. I saw them yesterday and everybody is doing great. Matilda is awesome and Jenny thinks she will be um, ready to record um, probably in May, so in about a month. Um, so she'll be back. Yay! She's actually done a little bit of knitting, so yay! 
Um, until then, you can always stop by the Stash and Burn group on Ravelry. Show notes are on stashandburn.com. I am Big Sister on Stash and Burn, and I am at Stash and Burn on Twitter, where I occasionally tweet, tweet, tweet. I won't say the other word. Tweet is actually the correct word. Okay, so thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Don't fall in love with me yet. We only recently met you. I'm in love with you, but you might decide I'm not. Give me a week or two to go absolutely cuckoo. Then when you see your error, then you can flee in terror. Like everybody else does, I only tell you this because I'm easy to get rid of. But not if you fall in love, and I'll end up on the make. And if you make a mistake, my heart will certainly break. I'll have to jump in a lake. Don't fall in love with me yet. We only recently met you. I'm in love with you, but you might decide I'm in love. Give me a week or two to go absolutely cuckoo. And when we see your error, then you can flee in terror. Like everybody else does, I only tell you this because I'm easy to get rid of. But not if you fall in love. It's only fair to tell you I'm absolutely cuckoo.